0: The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions
1: hi this is mike adams thanks for listening to adams on agriculture join me monday through friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world informing america's farmers
2: and ranchers it's adams on agriculture produced by the american ag radio network here's your host mike adams
1: hello everyone and welcome to adams on agriculture thank you for joining us here we are at midweek already Thanks for letting us be part of your day and Merry Christmas to all of you. We have a very busy show today. Lots of reaction to the uh, news of a step, big step finally being taken on USMCA, an agreement reached um, that should set up a vote in the House and eventually a vote in the Senate. Uh, those are steps yet to be taken, but a big step has been taken. We're going to get reaction from the pork industry. We're going to talk with Dave Salmons and with the American Farm Bureau Federation. And we're going to get reaction from the dairy industry, all coming up on today's program. And also later, another update on the propane uh, situation, uh, the supply distribution issues we've had this fall. We'll talk with uh, Carol Kitchen with GrowMark about that later in the program. But USMCA, the big story in agriculture right now. Joining us uh, with the reaction from the dairy industry is Jaime Castaneda. He is Senior Vice President for Policy and uh, Strategy and International Trade for the National Milk Producers Federation. Jaime, thank you for joining us. Um, the dairy industry is one of those uh, segments in agriculture that uh, stands to see a, a significant improvement hopefully in this uh, not that others won't but a lot of the other areas it seems like it's uh, maintaining or getting a slight improvement dairy could be in line to get one of the bigger uh improvements in this deal if it goes through what are your thoughts on this step that has been taken the agreement that's been reached
3: yeah mike uh first of all uh Thank you, and good morning to you and, and your listeners, and, and Merry Christmas uh, to, to you and your, all your audience. Uh, absolutely. Uh, what you just described is it's very accurate uh, with respect to dairy. is one of the very few um, agricultural uh, sectors that have actually gained. I think that you have this strong push and support uh, from agriculture, because everybody wanted to have uh, a rel- reliability to know what the future would come. but in addition to that, uh, we of course uh, had i mean very significant uh, additions with respect to Canada, but even also with respect to 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 Mexico. so for us, um, this is important. It's also important from a perspective that you have a Republican administration with the Democratic House coming up with an agreement that they both are calling a template for the future. We have said a number of times that we are falling behind if you compare it to Europe, New Zealand, Australia in negotiations with all the agreements. We see this as a great opportunity to begin opening other markets.
1: So, what, there's a lot of talk about greater access into Canada. What, if this goes through as it is now, what specifically do you think are the biggest gains for the U.S. dairy
3: industry? Well, the biggest gains is that first, uh, we expect that every single access that we have currently into Canada will stay the same. But in addition to that, we have a large quantity uh, for new access into cheese, and some access into uh, butter and, and powder. We also have uh, additional access in, in, into fluid milk and, and other products like, like yogurt. It is not, uh, we're not talking about, uh, I mean, hundreds of thousands of tons, uh, but we are talking about the ability to begin exporting products that we have never been able to. Um, I mean, an example, for instance, Chobani. Chobani tried for many years to try to get into the Canadian market without success. I think that this will give them an opportunity to perhaps um, uh, sell their product into, into Canada.
1: So it's a big step forward now. We've got to get a couple of votes, right? you got to get the vote in the House and vote in the Senate.
3: Correct. Uh, I believe that the House will actually act quickly and will have a vote uh, before the end of the year. Uh, the question is whether uh, the Senate uh, decides to actually uh, do it this year or next year. Senator McConnell, uh, you know, the, the the leader in in the Senate, have uh, indicated that he is more likely to have a vote uh, in early January. Obviously. Uh, whatever the impeachment process comes uh, uh, into the Senate may actually impact a little bit uh, that uh, vote. Uh, But I think that regardless of that, I think we all feel very confident that the vote will come soon uh, in early January uh, at the latest.
1: Senator Grassley told us here on the show Monday that he said he thinks it will come up for a vote in the Senate in January, but after The impeachment trial so however long that would take all right before we let you go jaime i want to get your thoughts another piece of legislation that heads to the uh house for a vote today and that's the ag labor reform bill the farm workforce modernization act which national milk has uh, come out in support of but it is being criticized by some as a mass amnesty bill for illegal immigrants what's your thoughts on the bill and your reaction to the those that say it's amnesty.
3: Yeah, this is not amnesty. I mean, I think that uh, those who are here currently uh, have actually worked for many years in agriculture, and once this legislation is passed, and obviously the legislation, uh, I mean, indicates that uh, those workers need to continue to work in agriculture. They need to actually pay uh, penalties. So, I, I and this is something that we have actually heard a number of times in the rhetoric about this is amnesty. Uh, I remind everybody that actually um, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, provides uh, provided a, a significant access to to uh, those immigrants that were here way back in the nineteen eighties. This is actually much more uh, forceful in ensuring that those that are here comply with a number of different uh, requirements. So this is certainly not the amnesty that many folks uh, try to portray. Uh, this this is an important, important uh, move forward. We still have plenty of work on the Senate side. But uh, I encourage everybody to look at the bill carefully and see all the requirements that those who are currently here, uh, need to go through before they they actually gain legal status.
1: Well, these are two huge issues we've just discussed for agriculture in general, for the dairy industry in particular, trade. We talked about USMCA and this Ag Labor Reform Bill, certainly a, a huge issue for the dairy industry. So we'll watch and see what happens in the House on that perhaps today. Jaime, thank you very much. Good to get to your thoughts on these uh, very important topics. Appreciate it.
3: No, oh, my pleasure. And I, as I was writing a note for our members, uh, this is uh, er, er, two uh, very important uh, early presents for the dairy farm community: uh, USMCA and ACT labor. I mean, those are the two priorities for for the U.S. dairy industry, trade, and and and, and the ACT uh, labor side. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thanks, Jaime. Appreciate it. Jaime Castaneda, Senior Vice President, Policy, Strategy, and International Trade for the National Milk Producers Federation. Up next, we'll get the pork industry's reaction to the USMCA news. Stay with us on AOA.
0: Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices, and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air. Taking care of the people you love and knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres, that's smart. With Credenz soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to fit your acres, and that Credence variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture. Coming right up.
4: Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel diesel that doesn't mess around
5: thanks for listening to Adams on agriculture from the american ag network we're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture the farm bill immigration reform reducing regulations trade new technology as well as infrastructure and health care Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.
1: Recently on Adams on Agriculture, the country of origin labeling issue is uh, a controversial one. Strong views and emotional opinions on both sides of this. There's a lot here to uh, sort through. And we're going to do that now with Ethan Lane, who is Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association.
3: What we're starting to look at and zero in on is whether or not that broad description product of the USA is really too ambiguous to be used. I mean, it's important to, to make clear here. We don't think anybody is doing anything wrong. We, we don't think that, that anyone's outside of the boundaries of what's compliant right now with FSIS's guidelines. What we're talking about and, and working through with everyone in this value chain is whether or not we're just at a point where we need to get out of the business of putting a broad label like that that's fairly ambiguous in place in favor of either no origin marketing claim or a more specific marketing claim.
1: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
6: 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I
7: couldn't speak or walk.
5: 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack.
7: 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is
8: what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent.
9: 150 over 90, and I had
10: a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an
8: exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to LowerYourHBP.org. I had to tell. Everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association,
1: American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. All right, let's uh, talk more and get more reaction to this uh, USMCA news. So basically, U.S., Mexico, and Canada uh, uh, coming to agreement uh, on the deal now, some changes. And evidently, House Democrats, their leadership has signed off on it. The White House seems to be on board with it. But now we're down to a vote in the House and then eventually a vote in the Senate. Uh, Let's talk now with Maria Ziba. She's Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Maria, I know this has been a big priority for the National Pork Producers Council, so you have to be very happy, I would think, with this uh, latest development.
7: We are ecstatic that we have an agreement in place with Canada and Mexico on USMCA, and we look forward to a House vote by the end of the year.
1: All right. Specifically, what do you think this deal means to the U.S. pork industry?
7: Well, for us, Canada and Mexico import 40% of our exports. So this is a really big market for us, over $2 billion in 2018. And what this deal does, it really provides that much-needed certainty for our industry that is so dependent on exports. And we're very happy that everybody was able to come to the table and, and resolve some of those ongoing issues.
1: Now we just talked with the dairy industry uh, with the National Milk Producers Federation it looks like it's it a, 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 should be a significant gain for the dairy industry over what they had in NAFTA. Now for the pork industry is it that much of a gain or is it uh, keeping what you have?
7: Well certainly keeping what we have. We already have um, and have had Uh, zero duties in place with both Canada and Mexico, and that was part of the original NAFTA um, agreement. So this, what it does is it continues on with that trajectory, and we continue to be reliable partners for both Canada and Mexico where they can turn to us and they know that we're going to be able to provide them safe, high-quality pork um, with zero
11: duties.
1: The changes, uh, these last-minute changes to get to this agreement, did any of them impact uh, pork trade at all?
7: No, the the issues that were ongoing were on labor and environmental. Um, so far, you know, we haven't seen the text yet, but from what we know, it hasn't affected any of, on any of us on the agricultural side.
1: So obviously, this is. This is, as you said, certainty. It gives, uh, uh, takes some of that doubt out of uh, key markets like uh, Mexico and Canada. So getting it done now, you got a vote in the House. Seemingly that, that would pass in the House now with the Democratic leadership on board, but I guess you never know until the vote's taken.
7: It's a really positive first step that everybody was able to come together and put together an agreement that is, That is a win for everyone. Um, I think that yesterday's announcement from the AFL-CIO endorsing USMCA is a positive and I think that that's really going to help get a lot of Democrats on board you know We haven't seen the AFL-CIO Endorse a trade agreement in a really long time, so that's all very positive signs for us
1: all right so we get USMCA done. It looks like we're on the path now to do that. That checks a big box. But there's another big one that yet, is yet to be checked, and that is China. We're talking with Maria Ziba, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Maria, we're getting close to this December 15th deadline for more tariffs on uh, Chinese products and goods. Uh, what are you hearing? We, keep, we see stories that uh, maybe the two sides are working to uh, delay that uh, deadline. What are you hearing?
7: I think that everybody wants to reach an agreement, especially on the U.S. side and our pork producers. Um, The Chinese market is very important to us, and if we were to eliminate all duties on our pork, uh, Dr. Dermot Hayes from Iowa State estimates that in 10 years that market would be $25 billion. So for us and our pork producers, it is in our best interest to have a deal in place um, as soon as possible.
1: But we, we've been so seemingly close before, and we're not there yet. Uh, do you get any feel of how close we may be to at least this phase one of the deal of, uh, with China?
7: It's really hard to tell with uh, the Chinese. Uh, I think it was a positive sign that they made this announcement that they were going to relax duties on pork and soybeans. Uh, we're still trying to figure out what that actually means for our producers um you know they've made these types of announcements in the past but i think it's it's a positive that they are they are willing to come to the table and continue to have these discussions and we have to take those as all positive signs that everybody is is really trying to reach consensus and and come to an agreement
1: yeah you bring up a good point announcements have to be followed with actions don't they
7: yeah, and uh, unfortunately, in trade policy, that you know, it's very easy to quantify those things. We we can see the export numbers when they come out, and that's a good indicator of how we're doing in a specific market.
1: Another front that's kind of interesting: uh, some developments with the European Union. What do you see happening there, and what that could mean for the pork industry?
7: Well, with the European Union, you know we. Essentially have a de facto ban. they we export more pork to the tiny country of Honduras than we do to the European Union. Um, and unless they remove all tariff barriers to trade and non-tariff barriers to trade and they recognize equivalency of our standards, you know it's going to be very hard to have an agreement, and we're just one part of of agriculture, but we have a long list of issues with them. and and it's we, we need to work through all of those.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of baggage when it comes to trade with the European Union, a lot of heavy lifting to do. But the news today right now is uh, this uh, significant step has been taking, taken towards USMCA. It's been a long road. It's been a, a long year on this. But it has to be exciting, Maria, to, to feel that you're this close to the finish line finally on it.
7: Yes, our producers have been struggling for um, a few years now, and we're ending 2019 on a positive note uh, with, with USMCA reaching a consensus and, and, and having an agreement. We have now an agreement with the Japanese, and that's going to go into effect in January. And it, I'd like to point out that we also got those metal tariffs removed Uh, by Mexico, that 20% duty that our our producers were facing. So we're ending 2019 on a positive note.
1: Yeah, and that's welcome news. In a year that's been filled with many challenges, uh, weather being right at the top of the list, but trade being very near that top as well, with all the issues, with all the challenges, and and not that those are erased all of a sudden because the pain has been real, but it certainly uh, is a positive... Uh, ending to the year that hopefully will lead to uh, better things in the future.
7: I hope so. And the next step is is China. Um, hopefully, we can we can see a deal there. Obviously, um, agriculture is just one small component of a larger um, systemic issues that we are trying to address with the Chinese. So, the you know that that is going to be something that we're going to continue to advocate on behalf of our producers. But it. It will take a little longer, I
1: think. And on, on these deals, speaking of taking a little longer, even when deals are signed, it takes a while for the full impact to be felt and imp- implementation. Now, with USMCA, with it being kind of a continuation in many ways of what we already had with, with NAFTA, will, w- would that then not mean a, a, a waiting period? It should just continue on uh, the way it's been?
7: Well, first we'll have to have the vote here in in the United States on both the House and the Senate, right. um, and then the Canadian Parliament will also have to vote. It doesn't seem like they'll be voting on this until possibly next year, early next year. So, and, and the Mexicans also need to have a, a new um, vote on the agreement as well. So, I think that we'll probably see full implementation probably, you know, next next spring. Um, and so it'll, it'll still take a little longer, but the positive is that we have an agreement in place and that'll continue on until we can get this implementation. And so for our producers, we will continue to have that, that, um, that track of zero tariff duties into both Canada and Mexico.
1: Yeah, that's the point. NAFTA is still in place, so it's not like you're starting from scratch. You're you still got that going. All right, Maria, thank you very much. Uh, nice to have some good news to talk about for change.
7: Yes, thank you so much, and happy holidays to everyone
1: you too. Maria Ziba, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Some uh, reports that uh, the deal probably won't be uh, voted on in Canada, maybe till uh, uh, towards the end of January, so we'll be watching that. In fact, we're going to talk about that, the mechanics of all this uh, with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
0: The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credense soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credense soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
10: When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.
4: Time is money, right? And money? Well, it's the whole reason we go to work every day. Senex Premium Diesel protects both. With a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, Senex Roadmaster XL helps your entire fuel system stay up and running, so you can count more profits and steer clear of losses. Now, don't spend all that free time in one place, unless it's the highway. Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
11: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Prices slipped in Chicago after the U.S. Department of Agriculture forecasts that global stockpiles for grain are set to rise in the 2019-2020 season. In its monthly outlook, the department said total ending stocks of grains would inch up to 798.77 million metric tons from 797.45 million in 2018-19 as rising wheat production offsets a fall in corn output. Meanwhile, Egypt bought 355,000 metric tons of wheat at an average price of $221.44 per ton. That is 54 cents more than its previous tender on December 3rd. On the board of trade, January soybeans trading seven and a half cents lower at 8.93 and three quarters of a cent. March corn trading two and three quarters lower at 3.74 and a quarter of a cent. March Minneapolis spring wheat down a half cent at 5.17 and a half cent. March Kansas City wheat down two at 4.29 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat down five and a half cent at 5.18 and a quarter of a cent. Lean hog futures bounce firmly higher on Tuesday, which is expected to spark some additional follow-through support on Wednesday. Although a lot of attention remains on the potential of a phase one trade deal with China... The fundamental and technical support in the market is helping solidify additional buyer support as traders move in to the holiday season. On the Board of Trade, February lean hogs trading 2 cents higher at $68 per hundredweight. March feeder cattle are trading 50 cents higher at one forty-three point zero two. February live cattle trading 47 cents higher at 125 15 In the outside markets, the Dow is down 4 points, the Nasdaq Composite up 29, the S&P 500 up 6. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall.
10: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date?
11: Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together.
10: Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate.
1: Yeah, I'm probably okay.
0: Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If
1: you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.
2: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: All right, we continue looking at this UMCA development. Uh, joining us now is Dave Salmonson Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So, Dave, they get together, U.S., Mexico, and Canada, and they make some changes, get an agreement that the House Democrats and labor unions are, are signing off on. White House seems to be signing off on as well. What did they change to come to this agreement?
9: Okay, the two main things that are in the changes are to deal with uh, enforcement provisions, primarily dealing with labor, and the provisions about biologic drugs. So with the labor, uh, what they really added was a little more oversight uh, for the U.S. onto labor provisions that Mexico has agreed to. There's going to be formed a committee to watch this stuff and see if uh, Mexico carries through on what they agreed to do. Actually, in the original, and you might say in the USMCA, before these additional things were happened, they committed to enforce collective bargaining rights, allow independent labor unions. So this is more oversight of that. So that's the labor part of it. And that really was to make sure that the uh, House Democrats and uh, our labor unions were uh, okay with that and then there was the issue of patent protection for biologic drugs um, those provisions were taken out i mean we already have domestic law on that that gives them their twelve years of protection this would have just added uh... basically another backup in this international agreement but that was something that was taken out of it so those are the major changes uh... that are in there that the uh, house democrats pushed on and the the administration agreed to and um, Canada and Mexico uh, have agreed to that, so now the uh, the uh, bill can go forward. So we're awaiting the administration uh, finishing that up and sending that up to the Congress.
1: So basically, and I don't want you, uh, you can't understate this because this is a big part of any in trade negotiations. You got to have something that just about all sides can somehow claim credit for or victory in, right? And maybe they've achieved that with this.
9: Well, I think they have. From the you know, after the original agreement was done and it was uh they entered into this negotiating process starting last June with the team from the House Democrat side, led by Chairman Neal, the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, um, the Democrats said they wanted to quote their stamp on it. They wanted to say that they that might say in broad terms the Congress, uh, got something else uh in this that they could say they really did. And so they got some provisions that they could say they pushed for and the administration and the two other countries agreed to uh, that they could say they have a part of this. So you'd think the, uh, the need for that has been served. And uh, we're looking forward to having uh, the votes being there for when the uh, House votes on it. And uh, we're looking forward to that happening sometime in the middle or end of next week.
1: Because that's a big part of it, especially going into an election year, because the administration will want to tout this as a, a victory for them. And this gives the House Democrats something they can say, oh, well, we had to fix it and improve it. So we, we can take credit for it too, because that's the way these things work in politics. Uh, yeah. You got both sides wanting to take credit. Now, House yeah. probably votes uh, this month, the Senate not till next month, and then probably after the uh, impeachment, uh, uh, proceedings there are basically a jury trial in the Senate, if, that, if that's what happens there.
9: Well, that's what uh, yesterday's uh, Majority Leader uh, McConnell uh, said that they would do, um, that they weren't going to hurry up their procedures. You know, they technically could have uh, put a lot of the procedure aside and just had a vote uh, at the end of next week. Not easy for them, but I suppose they could have done it. But he said, no, we're going to go through what they call the mock markup hearing in Senate finance. Um, you know we 'll do it the way the trade promotion authority law works after the House passes it, again, assuming this is passed by the House next week, then the Senate has thirty session days, legislative days to vote on it, not calendar days. so that clock probably really wouldn't start till they come back in session after the uh, holiday break, um, and then, as Senator McConnell uh said and 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 uh, you pointed out that would be after the uh, impeachment trial so if you that all works out the way it's been said so far you'd think the vote in the senate would be again towards the end of january early february uh, depending on those factors
1: mexico will probably vote on it uh in a few days canada won't take it up it looks like till late january too
9: yeah they have to wait till their uh their parliament gets back into session so again, there's enough uh the changes were changes to the uh, agreement that were signed off by all three countries again uh just yesterday, and I guess so they have to go through the uh their own ratification process you might say again in Mexico, and Canada hadn't done it yet, so they'll be able to take up the revised agreement um, and hopefully deal with this uh soon in the new year
1: so basically it- I'm not downplaying it. This is a big, this is a huge uh, development, something we've been waiting on for a long time, and and in some areas like dairy, it's certainly an improvement, but for many areas, while there's some updating that's going on, I mean, this has been a year-long battle to basically keep much of what we had in, in NAFTA. I mean, I know the president has blasted NAFTA time after time after time, but... Is this that much of a difference? Is USMCA, other than some updating and a few tweaks here or there, is it that much different than NAFTA?
9: Well, we'll look at the different sectors. For agriculture, of course, the big point was to keep the tariff-free trade we had, totally tariff-free trade with Mexico, uh, almost all with Canada. Of course, the big exceptions are dairy and poultry, and we got some improvements of access into there, not insignificant, took care of dairy their class 7 pricing scheme that Canada had that was keeping out some of our products like ultra filtered milk and some you know updated good changes Canada will now treat uh, all their wheat imports and they do import some special from us uh, and grade it the same where you know before, previously Canada had treated all imported wheat as feed grade lowest price level and now they have to treat it uh graded properly so You know, improvements, we had improvements in rules language on sanitary standards, biotech language, geographic indications language, some of which were basically uh, wholly transplants from the old Trans-Pacific Partnership, of course, which Canada and Mexico were a part of. So that wasn't a lot of new language, but those are all good improvements. For things like the auto sector, with the changes there on rules of origin, higher North American content... Uh, Some other rules which will help bring some manufacturing jobs, potentially either growth here in the U.S. or even back from Mexico to the U.S. I mean, I think those are important for those sectors. So uh, a continuation and an improvement, I think that's uh, the way you can fairly characterize this uh, USMCA compared to NAFTA.
1: All right, we're talking with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, the latest on China. Uh, Are they going to move this uh, December 15th deadline for more tariffs?
9: Well, that's certainly been all the discussion this week. Uh, The uh, deadline for the U.S., at least the deadline the U.S. set for itself, to impose 15% tariffs on $160 billion of Chinese imports, like the last group of imports that we haven't uh, added a tariff onto, uh, is Sunday, December 15th. A lot of discussion this week. Uh, Will the U.S. actually go through with that? Will the negotiations that are ongoing between the U.S. and China either show enough promise to put that off Uh, at this point? I don't hear anybody saying they think there'll be a deal by Sunday, uh, but the talks do continue. So um, not a firm indication uh, whether they're going to go forward or not, but uh, we're counting the days till that happening.
1: So we'll watch that closely. I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a key deadline. Do you do you feel that we're? How many times have I asked you this this year? Are we close uh, uh, to a, getting phase one done with China or not?
9: Yeah, I won't use that word. Um, they keep talking. I think they're down to the issues, which they've been for a while now. You know. Uh, things change a little bit over time. I mean, it was, at one point, the idea was, well, the we, U.S. wouldn't add new tariffs. China would agree to a certain level of purchases. That's still there, though China has lately said, you know, we want you to also roll back. Remember, those tariffs were put on the, uh, hundred-plus billion dollars of, uh, Chinese imports back on September 1st. So, they'd like that taken off. So, this is all... Again, part of the negotiating dynamic, Um, don't have an indication of where that's going to, but it's down to those issues, at least for what's called a phase one deal. The bigger issues, you might say, the more uh, widespread issues that really started all this due to forced technology transfer, cost of doing business in China, intellectual property protection are all still there, but uh, nobody thinks, or at least we don't think, that those are going to be part of an initial deal. Uh, they'll have to be, keep working on for the future.
1: After all this time, those issues are still there, and they don't seem to have many of those resolved yet. But uh, no. well, getting a phase one deal would certainly uh, it kind of be a, another big. Uh, I was going to say the cherry on top of the sundae here, but that that <laughs> that's probably that would be even bigger in some ways than USMCA, right?
9: Well, it uh, would be, in a sense, uh, more immediate if the part of it was China committing to and accelerating purchases. You know, you remember trade agreements take place over time. You get the agreement, a lot of issues, some things happen immediately, some place, you know, certain provisions go out over a term of years before you see the impact. This thing with China, if they agreed to purchases, uh, you would think they would actually start doing those fairly quickly, so we would see a much more immediate impact i mean china has said they are right. going to be granting some waivers to countries to companies to buy soy yeah. and pork and we're certainly waiting on that
1: all right thanks dave we'll stay in touch appreciate it
9: okay you bet
1: dave Salmonson with the american farm bureau federation joining us on a.o.a
0: the sounds of success vary from person to person success sounds like this to a credence soybean grower Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credenz soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Wake up
10: and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
12: Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612, 800-664-2612.
10: When you think of home, you think of warmth, comfort, and peace of mind. And that's exactly what you get when you choose propane from FS. With Propane from FS, you get our well-trained professional staff, along with an array of products and services designed to ensure that your propane system is functioning properly and efficiently. Add to this a variety of convenient terms and ways to save money, and you've got the right solution to all your home energy needs. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com.
8: As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end the good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating, your kidneys could keep filtering, and your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Meet Ed. Movie buff. Animal lover. Safe driver.
1: Recently on Adams on Agriculture, yesterday we discussed the ag labor reform bill. I said, there's like 300 ag groups supporting it, including the National Milk Producers Federation and their Vice President of Government Relations, Paul Blyberg, joins us now to talk about it. Paul, thank you for being with us. Uh, this is obviously a critical issue for agriculture in general, the dairy industry in particular. Why are you supportive of this
3: bill? We are supportive in a nutshell because the bill includes provisions that aim to address our two primary goals in the ag labor space. One is obviously reforming the current H-2A program so that dairy can use it and the provisions of this bill begin to get us into the program. Uh, obviously the the year round component of that program under the bill is capped but that cap is able to rise over time and eventually goes away and that's a very important source of uh, of labor for us and secondly the bill also has provisions to legalize our current workforce and uh, that's also a critically important issue for us given the the reliance of the you know the dairy industry
1: for the information important to rural america join us on Adams on agriculture You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
2: Information America's farmers and
1: ranchers need to know.
2: Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
1: Well, as we all know, there were plenty of challenges to this harvest season to go along with the challenges of the growing season and before that the planting season and for some the harvest season continues but part of the challenge has been uh, getting uh, propane to areas where it was needed at particular times i want to get an update on that from carol kitchen vice president energy and logistics for growmark carol thanks for joining us Uh, what is the situation now especially uh, in the upper midwest
6: well yeah good morning thanks for having me um yeah, it certainly has lo- loosened across the Midwest, but in certain areas where there's an, uh, you know, significant corn yet to be harvested and continue to be dried, I think we're still seeing demand, just certainly not at the levels that we were seeing when you and I spoke about three weeks ago.
1: So several steps have been taken. Efforts have been made to try to get propane where it was needed. Kind of give us a, a, an overview of, of those steps and, and how effective were they?
6: Well, I think the first step that most people in the industry took as you know, which, and one that we took as well was to go to uh, supply locations further afield to kind of avoid some of the bottlenecks that were being created within the pipeline network. So sending trucks to places in, particularly to Conway, Kansas, and other places uh, that we don't normally go to, which is certainly not an easy thing to do with the challenges that we all have with transportation availability and hours and things like that that was the first thing that most people I think took as far as steps go um, and then there were some things that were done at the, at the industry level with the help of the, both federal and local governments to provide uh, an hours of exemption for drivers that were moving the product so that we could bring in those loads from further, further out locations but they also allowed uh, some movement of products to, to some different locations than we have had in the past through the pipeline system, and that uh, certainly was was an important step for the uh, federal energy regulator to take to support the industry. But it's still, I would say, we're not out of the woods yet. Um, the weather now would be the biggest challenge. the The product is generally, you know, the inventories of LP across the U.S. are At at relatively high levels but we still have situations where we have regional or localized supply tightness and if we get a shock to any geography you know particularly some very cold or a lengthy cold snap we will potentially still see some challenges across the network as it's taking time to recharge the uh, inventories in the system
1: I don't mean this as a second guess, I'm, I look at this as a learning opportunity to try to avoid uh, future problems, but could this have been avoided, should this, or could this have been anticipated and uh, steps been taken to avoid it?
6: Well, I think, you know, one of the things is that we did know as an industry we are going to see significant amount of grain drying because of uh, the lateness of planting, but I think the challenge was it was even later than probably people expected because the weather was so wet in the earlier part of the fall. I, you know, it is—it's—it is easy to sit back in Monday morning quarterback this and say what we should we have done differently. I think it does tell us as an industry that the the volume of propane that we use, although it is a large amount at a particular time, it is a surge amount of volume, and it is tough for individual companies or, you know, individual organizations to make investments to support additional supply and storage locations. But I think that's one of the questions that is going to need to be asked this winter is what kind of storage do we have when we have a system that can just use much more, you know, the amount of draw on the system was so much greater than we Mm -hmm. had seen, you know, in the recent past for grain drying versus, you know, seeing big pulls for home heat. Uh, it was. It's. A, it is a change in how we've used the product, and and it's a tough investment when it doesn't happen all the time.
1: Right. So, is it a storage issue primarily, a pipeline issue, or is just multiple factors coming together? This was almost kind of became the perfect storm situation. The perfect
6: storm. I think it is a combination of storage. I think it is a combination of pipelines and a combination of transportation. Because we need, you know, specialized transportation equipment to move this product. And just the volume that was being pulled out of the pipeline system at that particular time was just so much more than, than the system could use, could could supply, I guess. So it is it is a bit of a perfect storm. And yeah, that's the question, it, is do organizations want to invest for right. something that happens on a less frequent basis?
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say, and you, you touched on that, and I think that's key. It's easy to say... Well just let's just invest and, and make sure this doesn't happen again. But when you don't know if that situation or that demand peak would be like that again for another three years, five years, ten years, you just don't know.
6: Yeah, and, and it's the same question of, you know, for anything that we, we do in a on a non you know, consistent basis, how do you decide how much to do and how much to spend and what to expect out of it? The other thing that, you know, that was a challenge towards the right at the end was we saw the sea and rail strike come into play, which added additional uncertainty. So, really, I don't know if if we will look back and say that this was really a perfect storm of a number of situations at this particular time that really none, none of these things worked to our benefit, I guess.
1: But I guess it was a learning experience uh, in in finding ways to deal with it, hopefully this experience will help if it comes up, whether it's next year or two years from now or whenever it might be.
6: Yes, and I can tell you from our perspective, you know, we are sitting down and talking about what we can do, uh, what we might do differently. I think any good organization does that. The one thing that did did not occur, I would say, that helped us was we did not see the pressure of uh, farmers wanting to uh, apply anhydrous at the levels that they probably would have liked to because the weather didn't really coordinate or cooperate on that basis either, but for us, we use a lot of the same equipment to move anhydrous as we do, and drivers as we do to move LP. So that was a little bit slower. That helped us, and so it's a question of how do these things occur in the sequence and the timing in which they occur at the same time.
1: Carol, always appreciate your thoughts on this. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you, and have a good day.
1: You too. Take care. Carol Kitchen, Vice President, Energy and Logistics for mark. That wraps it up for today. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.
5: The patented pod shatter reduction technology canola hybrids from InVigor are the perfect blend of strength and durability. Stronger pod seams and stems protect the canola seeds within while protecting you from potential yield loss. And that gives you added flexibility at harvest, even when dealing with adverse weather conditions. Shattering yield records, not pods. That's smart. Contact your local BASF Seed Advisor today. Always read and follow label directions.